welcome back to this month's Buxton Coats podcast. Um, I'm really excited about this month, um, not only because I have a very special guest, but also because it's a very um, important topic to anybody who is thinking about having a Christmas party or social event over the festive period. Um, but before we get into that, let me introduce my guest today. Um, it is the one and only Elizabeth Last. Hi everyone. So my name is Lizzie. I'm a solicitor in the employment HR team. Um, so I started with Buxton Coats, or what was FTA Law, over five years ago. Um, I started with the firm as a paralegal and since then have completed my legal practice course, done a training contract and now um, qualified as a solicitor coming up to one year ago. Um, so I assist in the with the management of the employment team, um, deal with like our corporate clients, our Oracle clients and deal with our tribunal claims. Um, so you just mentioned the Oracle clients. For anybody who isn't aware or hasn't come across Oracle, could you just let everybody know a little bit more about what Oracle is? Yeah, of course. So Oracle is our monthly subscription service. So the clients pay a monthly fee um, and we essentially help them with their HR um, as much or as little as they need. So we can we draft their employment contracts, offer letters, um, associate agreements, hygienist agreements, and then just guide them through the day-to-day HR issues that they come across. So maternity queries, holiday queries, disciplinaries, grievances, just anything they need in relation to their staff, really. Yeah, and we're, we're not a call centre, so everything's very bespoke. Um, we take instructions and make sure that it's right for their practice rather than providing them with a precedent and expecting them to, to complete it and fill it in. Um, so you also um, missed one important um, element um, to your career there. Um, so this month, we're very proud um, that you will be attending the FMC um, Dental Industry Awards because you've made it through as a finalist of Dental Industry Employee of the Year. So well done you. Um, have you got a new dress? Um, not yet, but I've got about four waiting at home to try on. So <laughs> that will be this weekend's job, I think, to find a dress um, and decide on one. <laughs> So best of luck. Um, we're all rooting for you. So let's hope you win. <laughs> um, but back to uh, the topic and what, what we're here to uh, let people know about is uh, the Christmas party. And why is it so important that we discuss the Christmas party um, as an employment solicitor? Just because of how many things can go wrong. And I think I don't <laughs> many clients realise just how many things can go wrong. And every year we come back after Christmas because we close over Christmas for a week and the clients just ring on day one and be like, this happened at the Christmas party, this happened. I think people don't want to deal with it in the run up to Christmas. So it's all left for January. So I think what we try and help with clients is so that they don't have to deal with that. They try and put measures in place so that nothing does go wrong at the Christmas party or if and hopefully it wouldn't what if it does so that they are protected and their employees um are protected against what could happen yeah I mean I I love it in January I've got to admit when we return to work and we hear all the gossip um and everything that's happened at uh, these Christmas parties mm-hmm. um, it's it's really interesting time of year and I think the key is we're not saying for one moment that you should not have a Christmas party because uh, we 
all enjoy the Christmas um, party. It's great for morale. I think everybody likes getting dressed up and maybe having a glass of bubbly, a nice meal, whatever it may be, um, and at somebody else's expense. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's it's a reward for the staff for all their hard work. And I think in times when retention and recruitment is difficult, I think social events like the Christmas party are definitely something that, um, employers should consider providing to their staff members. Um, however, I think I think you're right. Um, you know, Christmas cheer can easily be lost when it all goes wrong. Um, so, how do we prevent these um, dreaded employment tribunals uh, claims um, coming as a result of the Christmas party? The first thing that I advise clients to do every year is to make sure that they have a Christmas party policy um, in place that sets out the kind of what your expectation, what the employer's expectation is of them at the Christmas party. So hopefully that will deter any inappropriate behaviour. But if it doesn't, you know, if something does go wrong, setting out kind of the start and the end time of the Christmas party, people don't understand why we do that. But that's so important because if you have an end time of the Christmas party and it makes it clear, then you should be able to, as an employer, say that anything that happens after that time is not part of the Christmas party. And it's really important because what um, a lot of employers also don't realise is that you are vicariously liable for the actions of your employees and if it during the course of employment. So there's been so many cases over the years of whether it happened at the Christmas party, whether it didn't happen at the Christmas party, because it was like on a night out after. But what people don't realise is it can still be part of um, the Christmas party if it was during the course. So that's one really important thing to put in the um, Christmas party policy, but also just setting out, look, obviously have a drink, enjoy yourself, but don't drink excessive alcohol because I think everybody knows that's when things can start to go wrong. Um, just making sure that people know what is expected of them and what you, you don't expect them. And you've also got to be, no matter what you're working, you've got to still act professional around your work colleagues. So although you should let your hair down and enjoy yourself, you don't want to go too far and dread coming to work on the Monday afterwards <laughs> if you do something embarrassing. Yeah, I, d- I don't I don't always think it's related to alcohol. I think people can do <laughs> and say things without a drink. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's something where uh, people are more likely um, to act in a certain way when it, it, if, if they have been drinking. And of course, not all people will drink. Um, so we have to be considerate of that because it may be for religious reasons or, or or pregnancy or so on. So we have to make sure that there's something that suits everybody there and it's fair. Um, I think you picked up on a couple of points there. If we if we just go back slightly and and talk about vicarious liability, because I think lots of dentists and practice owners and managers will be aware of this term because it has been in the dental news quite a lot over the last couple of years um, because of vicarious um, liability in respect of clinical treatment that is undertaken by a self-employed member of the team, uh, whereby it was never the case that you could be liable for for that treatment. But now it is the case that you you can be. And I think as employment solicitors, we've used this term for an awful long time um, because of cases like the Christmas party, um, where it is in the course of employment, it is still uh, an event which is connect- connected or because of 
employment and therefore whatever happens at that party um the practice owner is responsible for those actions so um can we maybe think about an example where that's happened because you're right these are these are the type of cases that come in and um, where um uh, the, the employer ends up paying out probably a huge amount of compensation because they're actions of a, of a team member. Yeah, well, I remember one um, in the news a few years ago that was big and it, was, it, it wasn't actually at the Christmas party. So after the Christmas party had ended, people went on to drink somewhere else afterwards. But what was interesting was that because the... Um, either the company or the director had paid for the taxes to where they went next and then continued to pay for the drinks, it was found to be, and they were discussing work um, topics, it was found to be during the course of employment. And it, I think it was actually the managing director that punched another employee um, due to just getting an argument over work, which, you know, that happens. If people have had too much to drink, they can easily argue over things. Um, and I think the victim actually suffered brain damage and the company was held to be vicarious liable for the actions of the director because it was in the course of employment and he he, he was there to protect his staff not to um, start punching them when he'd have too much <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um and I, I always remember um um the um 2006 um case whereby a female lawyer based in london went to her christmas party i probably this one sticks in my head not only because of the huge compensation payment but probably because uh, of her her profession as well um and um i think the, the the partner made some comments um about her appearance and her her sex life and she wasn't very happy uh, she resigned from her role um and then she um claimed um sex discrimination harassment and constructive dismissal and it ended up settling outside of the court arena um for just short of one million pounds and that was in 2006 so I don't know what it would settle for now, um, but huge, huge payments. And that's because of the way that compensation is awarded in discrimination cases. Um, and it's it's whatever the judge believes is fair and equitable. It's whatever injury to feeling the judge believes has to be provided on that for those for that instance. And um, so it's really hard for us to give accurate um, compensation payment. Um, readings and to let people know apart from saying it's eye-watering um, so it's definitely something where we need to put like you rightly say a, a Christmas party policy in place to try and protect ourselves because there's only so far an employer can go um, they can't control people's behavior but as long as they've put the policy in place stating their expectations I think it needs to be coupled with um, annual equality and diversity training as well. Then hopefully the employer would have a good defence um, should these claims be made. Um, so we've talked quite a lot about the actual party. And I think quite often people forget about the run up to the party and what's important and the invitation um, and uh, what they should um, do in terms of um offering this Christmas party. And I think it's important to know that just because somebody's on maternity, paternity shared, parental leave, adoption leave, 
that they still should be invited. That's often one where we deal with it, where they forget to invite them. I don't, don't think they should be inviting them. And I know that this one really gets to people. Um, but also if somebody's on sick leave. Yeah. And yeah. I think one of the <laughs> mental practices that they don't like more is that they want to invite they're self-employed people, but obviously we advise that self-employed people shouldn't really be going to the Christmas party because it's an employee benefit. And these are things that will be looked at if the self-employed status is ever challenged. So they don't want to invite the people that are on sick and maternity, but they do want to invite all their dentists and hygienists. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the way, the, the, the only way they could possibly try and get around that is by charging yeah. the associates or the self-employed team members um so that there's a charge to be there because like you say it, it is an employee benefit but yeah quite right that's that's one um where they often get tripped up and I think as well just forgetting about people have different uh, requirements so um vegetarianism veganism making sure that we cater for people who would like that option um, to satisfy all faiths in terms of dietary requirements. Um, And there's also a bit of conversation over um, women who may be breastfeeding as well and what should be provided in those circumstances. Um, It's easier said than done, but there has been quite a few cases whereby... um, the employer should try and find a venue that has a a room for a female to be able to breastfeed if she's still breastfeeding in those circumstances. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, when people look at their Christmas party, they need to, and planning their Christmas party, they need to think about the whole team and not just what they've done previous years because the the team will change every year and the team's circumstance will change every year and just looking at a whole. I remember one of my clients last year said that they're never having another Christmas party that involves alcohol again after some of the events. So it's just changing um, what you have is your Christmas party, depending on your team and what their requirements are, making sure that you can include everybody. Yeah. Uh, So social media um, (laughs) is, um, I mean... I would say I am part of lots of Facebook groups uh, where there's lots put in in these groups and questions are asked. And I think they're really dangerous because uh, people may be trying to be supportive, but actually they're giving negligent or reckless advice, um, quite often advice that's not within this jurisdiction or people are given advice and not knowing the full details. Um, But also people put things on there and it's easy to identify which member of the team they're talking about. Um, So breaching confidences. Um, But I think also with social media, we have this um, instant um, ability to be able to put photographs online, which may affect the... Uh, branding or the goodwill of the practice um so how would you advise clients to deal with social media um in terms of controlling their team and what goes online and so that you know what do you want your patients to actually see what do you want the cqc to actually see um or, or the gdc for that matter um and um rather than um how how would you suggest that we 
advise our clients that they control this? I think as a general rule, all year round, not just when it comes to the Christmas party, they need to be thinking about having a social media policy in place and set out, you know, you don't want people to be, we've had it so many times where an employee will put a comment on Facebook, people do it all the time now, they find out where they work, they report it to their employer. If you've made a comment that someone deems inappropriate or offensive, the first thing they do now, I've noticed it so much, is they'll find out where you work and report it. And then it leaves your employer in a difficult situation because one, they've got to take action on that. But then two, it doesn't look good to patients and clients. You know, it is affecting the image. So I think a social media policy as a general rule is so important to have set out the expectation. You know, do you want it to be clear where employees work? Do, you know, do you need to make it clear anything they do post isn't anything to do with where they work um and then as a more specific to when you're having a work event or a christmas party in your christmas party policy one thing i always advise to put is that they can't just post whatever posts or pictures they want on there from the christmas party it there has to be an agreement with the practice owner or a director because you may not some of the photos from the christmas party may be easily recognizable for who the employer is and you may not that want that to be um, on a public forum what you, you've been doing so i definitely think you need to have it in there that they have to have your agreement to post that on social media and then that refers back to your general social media policy yeah and, and would you advise that that is applicable to your self-employed members of the team as well? Well, I think so, because even though they are contractors and we try and keep them very separate, you know, they're ultimately they're the ones that the patients are going to come in and see every day anyway. So the patients are more likely to care what they're doing than they are your dental nurse or your receptionist, because the dentist is the person they're coming to for treatment um, and your other hygienist. So I think although some things we do advise, you've got to keep it separate and you still would set it out separately. I do think that the self-employed people, anyone working in the practice has to abide by these policies because it's all to do with your regulatory requirements, what the CQC think, what the GDC think. And sometimes that is more important than worrying, am I treating them like an employee by putting this policy in place? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, with social media, because um, we've done some very bespoke associate agreements, haven't we, whereby, um, you know, my advice would be, if you've got an associate who is um, obtaining and getting work in by um, having um, a good Instagram account, for example, you should um, encourage and promote that because um, they're self-employed, they're more or less running their own businesses. Why would you not encourage that so that you um, reap the benefits and the rewards of that? But what we need to do is make sure that as a practice, we do have some control over that Instagram account because it may be, like you said, naming the practice or in certain circumstances, or especially when they leave, you want to have control over maybe photographs, depending on what consent patients have given and so on. So another reason there to have very bespoke um, agreements in place for your self-employed team members. Um, so I think as well, I think when the practice, uh, when the Christmas party policy um, is sent to the staff, um, I think it's also really important to make it clear, especially if you if you're working the following day, um, that um, if they um, overindulge and decide to take 
the day off or um, phoning sick, that that would be treated as a matter of misconduct to try and prevent that from happening um, or make sure that there's no work the following day when you have your Christmas party policy um, when you have your, sorry, when you have your Christmas party in place. So um, I think absence the following day is something that we just need to um, keep an eye on. Um, as well, because we often find that there there are some people who maybe take advantage. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, the question that everybody's waiting for me to ask then, Lizzie, are you going to be good at your Christmas party? (laughs) Well, this year I won't be influenced by alcohol because I'm actually getting a flight to Dublin at 6am the next morning. So I'm not (laughs) even having one drink so that I don't want to feel rough the next day. So I will be on my best behaviour, as always. (laughs) Can I just say that that does sound very glamorous. <laughs> I'm, I'm stepping out of my Christmas party onto a flight. <laughs> but then I think the next day when I'm in Dublin with all my friends for our Christmas party, I think that will involve alcohol. So I'll make up for it. <laughs> so you'll be having a cheers to us, but it'll be yes. Fine. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, okay, lovely. Well, um, thank you so much for your time, Lizzie. Um, and obviously, if people want to contact you and um they can contact you at your email address which is elizabeth is your full name (laughs) dot last l-a-s-t is my last name which people always make a joke out of that at buxtoncoats.com so feel free to send me any questions yeah and best of luck at the um dental industry awards we've all got our fingers crossed for you and thank you thank you bye bye